Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cuba. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cuba This is who I am. Today, my friends, is a internet day. You're going to want to be kind of like out of breath when you tell people about internet day. Thusly. At the top of every show, I give a spoiler warning. However, I do not feel it is exactly, really, per se, what, necessary on a Internet Day episodes. So I don't give a spoiler warning. However, I always mention that I don't give a spoiler warning, which in itself is a sort of spoiler warning when you really DDD and think about it. DDD, of course, stands for Dig Down Deep. Something I like to say at the top of every show as well is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No. No. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. As that is what helps podcast get larger, get big, humongified, humongified, may have made that word up right now, something I like to try to remember to say, huh, yes, on uh, Fry Internet Days, because it kind of goes hand in hand with the Fry Internet, and that is, there's an app for this, for free, for your listening pleasure, question mark, and convenience, exclamation point, within the Google Android Play storefront area place. So, you know, grab that, why don't you? If you're going to listen, and you're going to listen on your Android device, might as well get that free app. Hey, why not? If, like me, you are on an iDevice, what you can do is go to the uh, people who host the podcast called Podbean, and the mobile version of my website added to your home screen is very app-like in both form and function. Thank you to them. Thank you to you, the listener. Thank you to today's sponsor, which is the new zoo that just opened up, uh, Barack Obama's Barracks of Fauna. Once again, Today's sponsor is Barack Obama's Barracks of Fauna. Thank you to that new zoo. Yeah, a barracks full of fauna. A zoo. There you go. Okay, so uh, let's hop right into item the first. Uh, I think if you know anything about internets, you probably have already seen this. As I am recording this a fair amount of time after... The event happened after this event exploded onto the scene. Millions upon billions upon Brazilians of people have seen this. 
And that is, of course, Between Two Ferns with host, Zach Galifianakis, with guest, President of the United States, Barack Obama. What the fuck is happening? Uh, it's, it's kind of funny that uh, I keep mentioning on Fry Hindernet Day, it seemed like the last three, that more and more often you're seeing things like this where entertainment on the internet is being further validated as a very, very important medium right up there with movies and TVs. Uh, and, and this is just obvious further. <laughs> you can't get much more validation than an internet web series with Zach Galifianakis that lands the most powerful man on the planet, arguably. Pretty goddamn impressive. Impressive? Yeah, I made up a word for it. It's very impressive. Now, uh, this is entertainment, and very much so, under the guise of uh, President Barack Obama coming on to further spread the word of his uh, healthcare website initiative. Not really sure exactly what that is, like I am, as you probably know, unless this is your very first episode, in which case, welcome, and I love you. Uh, that I live in Canada, so, uh, you know, free healthcare. Pretty good. Yep. Mm hmm <laughs> In the States, uh, what is this website? Like, you sign up, and uh, does it come off your pay, or you have to pay a certain amount, but it's not very much because it's done through the government. So it's not free healthcare, but it's very inexpensive healthcare, or some such. I, I don't really know what the whole story is. But it sounds like Barack Obama... Barack Obama is concerned about the lack of free health care and is making strides towards that. Is that the sort of gist of it? Uh, this, if you've ever seen Barack Obama on... What, what is that? Uh, Jimmy Kimmel hosted it a bunch of times. The press, White House press thing that happens every year. Uh, press dinner. I don't know. Anyways, if you've ever seen Barack Obama at that or on other talk shows, you will know that he actually has some like comedic chops. He's got he's got a comedic bone in his body. He's got some good timing, and uh, I think is actually factually in real life a funny dude, and that uh, that amuses me greatly. They obviously wrote jokes for him. It's not like he's writing his own jokes, but his delivery of the jokes just pretty uh, pretty spot on. <laughs> like the first one to Zach Galifianakis, and if you've ever seen Between Two Friends, it kind of usually always takes the same sort of flow and ebb, and that is Zach and Gas making fun of each other, kind of, kind of, sort of. For example, Barack Obama asked that uh, when he pardoned the turkey uh, at Thanksgiving, was Zach Galifianakis upset because he didn't get to eat any, didn't get to eat the turkey? Or something along those lines. Quite often, the jokes coming from the guests are fat-related. <laughs> not very nice. It's not very fat. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with that tradition, uh, every year the President of the United States is pardons a turkey from Thanksgiving slaughtering to presumably be slaughtered anyway. I don't know. What is it just going to live out its its life to a ripe old age of a couple more months? Very strange. There was some talk of a president's ambassador to North Korea, Dennis Rodman. 
Yeah, what was that about? Very, very strange things happening in North Korea. Uh, one thing I really like that I have seen just regarding South Korea and North Korea is a picture of South Korea and North Korea from space at nighttime. And you can see that in North Korea, virtually no lights whatsoever. And then in South Korea, there's almost a, not almost, there is like a perfect dividing line to the south where everything's sort of lit up, technology, you know, not living in shanties with no lights, that sort of idea. And uh, the caption was communism at work. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Barack Obama said that uh, regarding only being able to do two terms as the president, which uh, for some reason I thought it was more than just two you could do, but no, you can only do two, that uh, doing a third term is makes it a makes about as much sense as a third hangover movie. <laughs> dig. Dig. Lastly, uh, kind of debated mentioning this, but I do give us. Oh no, I don't give a spoiler warning on Friday. Okay, well, this is a very, very rare instance in which I'm retracting my lack of spoiler warning and right now giving a spoiler warning for the end of this Between Duke Ferns, which is was jaw-dropping. It's going to drop drop your jaw, or jaw-draw, and that was, uh, if you've ever seen Between Two Friends for some reason, and never usually explained, uh, Zach Galifianakis has one of those Staples Easy buttons on his desk there, very infrequently get, or ever gets pushed, uh, got pushed at the end of this interview by President Obama, and it turns out, a little behind-the-scenes action, that... Uh, Every single episode of Between Two Ferns has actually been filmed at the White House. <laughs> so, uh, push this button, the backdrop dropped, the backdrop dropped. That's a sentence you don't get to say very often. And we learn that uh, the interview was taking place in the White House all along. And it turns out all previous interviews also in the White House. Wow. Bombshell after a drop of a backdrop. Drop it like it's a backdrop. Hot. Okay, let's move on to item the second, which was from uh, the good people over at Revision 3. Uh, and the title was, I don't know if I wrote this down correctly, The Positive Power of the Gaming Community. Now, this is a story that I'd never heard of, but uh, kind of interesting. <coughs> that uh, I guess it was a game maker, someone involved in the gaming industry, uh, developed cancer... So, uh, in order to, I guess, help pay his bills or pay his bills, did a sort of Kickstarter, I'm not sure if it was exactly Kickstarter or, or something similar to that, a crowdfunding thing, in order to pay for his treatment, a la Breaking Bad, kind of. Remember when Walt created the website for Walt Sr.? Yeah, kind of like that. Anyways, uh, people within the gaming community sort of really took this to heart. It started off with people who knew him, I guess, who would then donate and then pass on the link to donate, and then other people saw this was happening, and it just sort of steamrolled? Snowballed? Yeah, it, it steamballed. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, he ended up getting more than even he needed, so kind of cool. And they just spoke of how quite often the, the quote-unquote gaming community has negative connotations within this biz 
which seems to be often, but not always, a sort of dog-eat-dog world, and people not helping one another, and, and just a, a, an assumed level of potential nastiness within the community. So to see something like this, they pointed out, was nice, and it was a little, uh, a little heartwarming, and a little, uh, I don't know if unexpected was something that was coming across when uh, Adam Sessler, Tara Long, and Nika Harper were talking about it. But it did feel have that a little bit feel to that. Nika Harper, interesting. I didn't know she had anything to do with uh, Revision 3. I'm not sure if I've ever seen her on Revision 3 videos. She is over on the Geek and Sundry channel and uh, does vlogs, which are video weblogs, if you are unfamiliar with the term vlog. It's fun to say, though. And uh, I've watched a bunch of her stuff. She's very, uh, she's very good talking video games. So uh, it makes sense to see her come over here. And Tara Long and Adam Sessler, just amazing as usual. So, you know, let's give, give them all credit where their credit is due. Okay, let's move on. Hopefully I have time to squeeze it in. Okay, no, let's get... Uh, yeah, I'm going to move my order around a little bit. I have a Vsauce but I don't think I have enough time to finish the Vsauce on the way to work, so let's move up a set list. Ah, this is stand-up without a net. That would be sort of the tagline. If you are unfamiliar with this phenom, Manon, what it is is a stand-up comedian, in this case, a Mr. Todd Glass. Todd motherfucking Glass. will get up on stage where there's a TV screen, uh, various things will pop up, on the TV screen, and then he will have to build a stand-up routine around the things that pop up. Very, very cool idea. Potentially incredibly difficult. Potentially can go incredibly awry. I love Todd Glass. He is... Uh, I just watched a Getting High with Doug live in which he was on. <laughs> he was probably my highlight for that. He's just a super, super funny, off-the-cuff dude. Not sure if I've seen any. Well, I listen to his podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if I've really seen too much in the way of his just stand up, his actual factual stand up. Which uh, you know what I'm gonna do, which I do from time to time, is give myself a mental note, Jordan. See if you can find any Todd Glass stand up specials online, Netflix perhaps, and uh, watch those because you will like the mental note completed. <laughs> this took a turn that I've never seen anyone do before. Apparently Todd Glass was just, like, there to see other people do it. It was kind of in the audience, I guess you would say. And from the sounds of it, they basically forced him... Uh, I don't think at gunpoint, because I do not believe they had guns, so... Oh, you know what? This takes place at the Nerd Melt comic shop. So let's say they forced him at phaser point to get up and do this. And... Uh, <laughs> What he did was, it, it worked. One of, the, one of the sort of really impressive things about his, his try at this was that I don't think it would work for everyone. I don't think anyone could get away with what he did. And that was kind of bullshit his way through all of the things that popped up on the screen and never really did jokes about them per se. More went along, more went along the lines of, mm, yeah, no, no, I, I, I don't like that. A bounce check from Jesus. Uh, you know what? I could do a joke about that. It would be okay. But uh, I don't want to waste your time. So, no. Next. <laughs> like, along that line. 
World War Three Hollywood ending. Nope, 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 nope. Next, he did a little uh, Red Couch interview at the end uh, along the lines of, yeah, you know what, I, I could have done actual jokes about the things that popped up, but uh, I wouldn't have got as many laughs as I did doing it this way, so... Very, very impressive, and a ballsy maneuver that I think potentially could have gone awry, but he managed to pull it off, which in itself, incredibly impressive. I almost think, and maybe this is subtly tooting my own comedic horn, that uh, this was a set list that comedians would appreciate much more than sort of your average Joe Blow who came expecting to see quote-unquote normal stand-up which is something that Todd Glass talks about from time to time, and that is the idea that there's, there's sort of jokes for the masses, and then there's a certain brand of jokes that are more just for comedians than anyone else, jokes that only comedians will laugh at, which even just that thought right there amuses me greatly. Jokes that you'll get up on stage, you'll tell, the audience will not react at all, but all the comedians behind all the comedians backstage will be losing their shit, laughing uncontrollably. I very, very much like that day. You know what would be good and smart and cool, but probably not in the terms of sort of money-making and popularity, is like a, a, a set entirely comprised of those jokes, or maybe even a book of jokes that only work for comedians. And if anyone could do it, I think it was Todd Glass, he could compile jokes such as that. Another good person would be uh, Pete Holmes, because he's very good at talking comedy. Uh, I've been recently listening to the Pete Holmes Making It Weird podcast, sort of working my way through the backlog of that, and uh, very, very interesting if you are a fan of comedy, just talking literal jokes, punchline, tags, like very, 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 very sort of in-depth as far as comedy from the point of view of comedians. Cool beans. Folks, I'm at work, so I will go in and do eight goddamn hours of work, and I'll come back here and uh, we'll do a Vsauce, which I feel like I haven't done in a while, and we'll wrap this baby up in a tight little package. Because everyone likes a tight package, if you know what I'm saying. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Well, well. Oh, hell. Let's jump right back into this Fry Internet Day without any preamble whatsoever, other than me saying well three times. Item the fourth. Is a little the old Vsauce, because within the liberal cube, we, meaning the podcast we, which is I, love a little Vsauce. Spread it over everything. I, as they say in the Red Frank's Red Hot commercial, I put that shit on everything. And it's not shit. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I kind of felt like uh, I hadn't brought one back in a while, or seen one for the while, for that matter. Uh, I, I kind of think uh, Michael over there at Vsauce perhaps took a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I'm a little excited on the note of hiatus that uh, getting near episode 300 of this podcast, there'll be plenty of uh, warning 
if you call it a warning, in that podcast episode, including in the description, that I will be taking a three-week hiatus after episode 300, because if you follow along, if you have followed along, episode 100 took a week off, episode 200 took two weeks off, episode 300, you guessed it, taken three weeks off, off in the sense that I won't be posting anything, not necessarily in the sense that I will not be recording anything, because I find my uh, addiction to podcasting means that I don't want to waste, like, say, for a book or a video game, especially if I'm going to be reading a book anyways, might as well record a podcast, a podcast about that book. But we'll see. Play it by ear. That's uh, one of the the things the three-week hiatus allows you to do, is to uh, play it by ear as much as you like. Record as much or as little as you desire, basically. Uh, By my logic of three episode 300, um, three weeks off, once I reach episode 5,200, that'll be it. Yeah, no more recording of podcasts, so... You know, keep uh, keep that in mind, I suppose. Okay, so Vsauce, yes. What is the resolution of the human eye? Huh. <laughs> One thing I freaking love of Michael and Vsauce and the Vsauce philosophy, I guess you could call it, is he could potentially say, okay, resolution of the human eye is uh, it's just about this. End of discussion, video over. Thanks for stopping by for the 30-second answer. But no, there's way, way... I'm going to go ahead and throw one more way more to it than that. And he'll sort of see where this question will take him. And it will take him possibly in areas that you were not expecting. So it turns a question that could be answered in, you know, easily under 30 seconds and turns it into a 7, 8, 9, 10-minute video. I friggin' love it. For example... He starts out, <laughs> and I kind of, uh, my talk of Vsauce's don't necessarily make as much sense, because I'm an idiot, but also because I kind of pick and choose random little tidbits from the video, uh, in the hopes that you definitely go check it out for yourself. Little tids, tidbits? Little tidbits, such as India, as in the country, makes two times more feature films a year than Hollywood does in two years. Hmm. So, (laughs) a little strange on the way he worded that. Would it not be, and I have mentioned from time to time that uh, my brain will not do math, but could you not say that India does four times the amount of movies that Hollywood does in one year? Would that not also make sense? Or is there a trick of math there that my brain will not do and not even see? Hmm. Possibly. Which is sort of fascinating in itself. The fact that uh, some human brains presumably are like my own and uh, are unable to grasp even rudimentary math things. I did know that little tidbit about India making lots of movies. I had no idea it was on that sort of scale. So that's just interesting right there. He points out, and this is another thing that I've sort of, kind of, sort of heard a little bit about, and that's your vision field is only really clear directly sort of where you're looking in a very round, narrow way. Uh, he uses the example of uh, hold your, make the uh, sort of thumbs up sign, and then 
do that with both hands and then put your hands outstretched in front of you and your vision is only at its peak, let's say, the dimension of your two thumbs at that distance. Everything else you see is really sort of blurry, not as the farther you go away from this area, from where you are looking, the less detail. Your brain creates a lot of the detail, but your eye doesn't actually see a lot of the detail, which I think is a cool way to think about it. For example, uh, in dark rooms at the peripheral of your vision, you may think you're seeing color when in actuality you're sort of only processing black and white, but your brain is sort of, I guess, taking that image from your eye that is not actually seeing color and turning it into color. So, so cool kind of ideas like that. The whole idea of what we see and how our brain is processing what we see or I think uh, maybe even a cooler way to think about it, what we, what we see and what we do not see and what our brain processes, what we see and what we do not see are two sort of totally different things. Cool, uh, cool idea. So uh, he says that the number, if we're looking for the, the pixel number, how many megapixels is the resolution of our eye is, and this is with an asterisk, 576 megapixels. Uh, the asterisk being how I mentioned already, uh, it's called the fovea, that uh, small area in front of your face where you are looking, that is highly pixelated and everything else. The further you move away from that area that you are looking directly at is less and less pixelated. So assuming that 576 is assuming that it is the same megapixels throughout your entire vision. So no matter... Oh, shit. So if we get a little more... I, I would consider accurate and consider that uh, it, it's only directly in front, your, your fovea, it's called, and the rest is blurry, it's actually closer to 7 megapixels. So uh, quite a jump, and it gives you a pretty good indication of the amount of pixels, and we're just breaking it down into pixels because we don't actually see necessarily or at all in pixels, but that's how we measure the resolution on computer screens and stuff, so I guess that's how we're going to measure re the resolution of our eyes. Anyways, so if we take into consideration how shittily the like peripheral vision we have pixel-wise is, it takes it all the way from 576 down to 7 megapixels, so kind of cool. Uh, I, I think what I like most about this is the fact that we don't realize how shitty our vision is other than directly in front of us that we are currently looking at. Other than that small point, everything else is actually quite blurry. And it's just our brain taking the image of everything we're seeing and then uh, making us believe that everything we see is crystal clear. Hmm, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Folks, that will end this. This, um, Internet Day episode. We've done it. Mission accomplished. I suppose that will leave one final thing to say, which is always the final thing to say, at least as far as this podcast is concerned. And that is, it is nice to be nice. To the nice. 
Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper